Hey, beautiful church family. I am here on location at White Rock Lake and love all of you so very much. Can I first say a huge happy Father's Day to all the dads. We're incredibly proud of you. Dads, I want to remind you, you matter. Your whole life matters. Your example matters. Your words matter. Your encouragement matters. Your consistency matters. You list it, you name it, it matters because God designed for you to be involved in your kids' lives. I want to encourage you, keep taking steps to be present. Hold up their arms. Speak those words of encouragement. Show them the way and be incredibly present and involved in the life of your kids. We celebrate you, every single one of you dads. Hey, here at Shoreline City, for those of you with us for the first time, we have a creed we do here every week. This creed gives you a snapshot of what we're about and who we are as a church that helps reorient our hearts around the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage everyone right now to get ready to say this creed out loud together. Are you with me, church? No, come on, come on, come on. Are you with me, church? Here we go on the count of three. One, two, three. I am loved by God. I cannot earn it. I cannot lose it. In Christ, I am forgiven and made brand new. I live with passion and purpose. I am empowered by the Spirit to be the church in the world and to live for the glory of God. Can I go ahead right now and welcome every single campus together? We got North, we got White Rock, we've got Antigua. All of us together, I love when we have the opportunity to worship week in and week out together. I know God has some great things in store for us today, but we do know we don't just have our physical locations. You know that, right, church? We got friends all over the globe, so I want to say hello to everybody in California. I want to say hello to everybody in Kenya. I want to say hello to everybody in South Africa. I want to say hello to everybody in Florida, in Georgia, in Alabama, in Tennessee. I want to say hello to everyone on Mars. I don't think we have anybody on Mars yet, but maybe one day. You know what we need is somebody in Hawaii. Can somebody please invite a friend from Hawaii so I can just go ahead and move there and live stream from Hawaii? How about that? How about we all just go to Hawaii or Turks and Caicos? How about that? Either one of those would be options in my mind. Hey, today, church family, as you can see, I'm on the beautiful White Rock Lake. And this beautiful White Rock Lake is right here in Dallas, Texas. And all this water is going to make sense in a moment as we jump into, the, to, into today's message, which is titled, I Can Hear Clearly Now. I Can Hear Clearly Now. I am a Christ follower, and that means I have surrendered my heart and my life to the way and the path of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm trying to, with all the grace and strength that God gives me, live a life that would honor him and, and put a smile uh, on his face. And I, I am far from perfect. And if you're looking for a perfect church, this is not that place at all. But, but on this journey of saying, God, I want you to shape and form in me, help me become the man that you destined for me to be. I know this is also in your heart. You have a desire, a sincere desire to live a life that honors God. And as I read the scriptures, I see Jesus interacting with God in beautiful ways. You can see all throughout Scripture, Jesus is praying, and he has times of prayer uh, before he makes major decisions. He has times of prayer, and you can see his prayer life is connected with his power. You can see his prayer life is connected with his decision-making ability. You can see his prayer life is connected with so many different parts of who he is. And something struck me. Maybe you've heard this. I've heard other pastors say this. 
we have in Scripture a number of the words that Jesus says to God. But you know there's only two times we get what God said back to Jesus? Only twice. Out of all the prayer times, out of all the times that Jesus walked and prayed, out of all the times that Jesus paused and asked God for strength, after all the times that Jesus interacted with God just in thanks and in worship, after all those times, we only have two where we have recorded what God said back to Jesus. I want to look at them. First one, found in Matthew chapter 17, or the first one we'll look at is found in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. Maybe kind of like how my face looks like right now, because this sun is beating down on me. And his clothes became as white. Uh-oh, come on, somebody. White as the light. Just then. There appeared before Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, here's God about to speak to his son. Here are the words. This is my son whom I love. This is my son whom I love. With him... I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's one of the first times, one of the first passages we're going to look at. But do you know there's another time that God speaks to Jesus? We get the words that God said to Jesus. Do you know what those words are? I'm about to show you. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Now this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented as soon as Jesus was baptized. He was put down in the water, put down to come back out. He went up out of the water at, watch this, at that moment, Heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Verse number 17, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The two times we have what God recorded, we have recorded what God said to Jesus, both times this phrase, these words are used. This is my son whom I love. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Out of all the things that God said to Jesus, out of all the prayer times, out of all the interactions, after all of the talking, after all of the heart to hearts, after all of the tears, with everything that Jesus and God talked about, the words we have here on the earth, the words we have recorded in Scripture are these phrases. This is my son 
whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Is that any accident? Is that any accident? Is it an accident that God decided that these would be the words that would be written down in Scripture? Is it an accident that God decided that these would be the words that he would want us to know that he spoke to Jesus? Is it any accident that these, this happens to be the phrase? I don't think it's an accident at all. I think it is strategically and spiritually on purpose. I think God is trying to make it abundantly clear how he sees his son. And this is beautiful because he says these words to Jesus before Jesus ever does a miracle, before ever makes a difference really in the life of people all around the world. He says this at a very, very powerful and pivotal moment. This is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. I, I want to pull out a couple of uh, small things here uh, real quick. One of the things I want to pull out is you see the Trinity here in this passage of Scripture. The Trinity is something incredibly mysterious. What is the Trinity? This is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You see the Son being baptized in the water. You see the Spirit descending like a dove. And then you hear the voice of the Father. I like in this that you hear God. You don't necessarily see God the Father. You hear Him, but you don't see Him. That tells me Sometimes you hear your breakthrough before you see your breakthrough. That tells me sometimes God, God, God says something to you before you see something that God said about you. That means sometimes, sometimes you're, you hear that you're free from anxiety before you see that you're free from anxiety. Sometimes you hear that you're healed before you see that you're healed. And, and if you and I can have ears to hear, the Bible says it this way, we are the ones that walk by faith and not by sight. We are the ones that say, even though what I see might not line up with what I heard since God said it, soon enough I'll see it. This is the God that you and I serve. But I, I don't even have time to get into all that right now because I got some other stuff to share with us today. I, I, I am, I've been blown away by these three phrases. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. These three phrases have been, been messing with me. This first one, this is my son. This is what God says. This is my son. He, he announces this to the world. This is my son. Uh, my mom is the absolute best, and uh, one of the cool things about my mom is she loves sports. I, I love this about her. And I, I happened to play uh, sports when I was in uh, high school and, and try to play a little bit now, too. But, but uh, in high school, man, my mom was one of those great moms that you would love to have in the crowd. She'd be one of those moms that will cuss out the refs. Yep. It was beautiful. If I got fouled playing basketball, Ref, that's a foul. Bleep, 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 bleep. I love you, Mom. I'm so thankful for you. Gave me a lot of confidence. She would say, that's my son. That, that kid right there, that's my boy. He belongs to me. Uh, I, I remember I was, uh, this is a 444 years ago for sure, but I was president of our student council. I remember getting up on graduation and giving the uh, commencement speech, a very, very small private school there in, in Providence, Rhode Island, where I was raised. But I remember seeing my mom's face. 
her beaming, thinking, that's my son. I also remember some times that I, I lied to my mom when I was in high school. Sometimes I was deceptive and sneaky. And I remember her being disappointed, but I remember her still saying, this is my son. There's something, there's something powerful about God saying this. Maybe you never heard this from your father or from your mother. Uh, we're not going to get into that just yet, but I, but I need you to know that this is also something God's saying to you. I, I'm going to get to that in a second, but right now I just want to talk about the relationship between God and Jesus. He's saying, this is my son. Whenever my wife and I go to sporting events uh, with, for our kids and we're on the sidelines or, on, on the, uh, or in the stands, the parent will ask, oh, which one's yours? Which one's yours? Say, yeah, that one, that one right there. That one's mine. There's a, there's a connection. There's, a, there's almost like a, an ownership, if you will, an intentionality. It's like we, we're, we're connected. That's my son. But he doesn't just say, this is my son. He says, whom I love. Oh, man, I love this right here. And when I became a dad, um, a, a part of my heart opened up that I didn't even know existed. Dads, you, you know what I'm talking about. Moms, you know what I'm talking about. There's a part of your heart that opens you don't even know exists. And those of you who want to be parents one day, and maybe right now things are hard or difficult, and maybe you're battling some infertility, we're believing that God's going to open that door for you. And even for our parents who are foster parents uh, right now, and believing that you're going to have that forever family, maybe kids that are believing you're going to have that forever family, we believe that God is going to give you uh, those kids. And whenever that happens, or give you that family, but whenever it happens that you have this moment where someone becomes your child, there is a part of your heart that opens that you never even knew existed. I remember it with Parker. I remember it with Grayson. I remember it with Elle. I, I just, I didn't even know. I can't explain to you. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. You can't even explain to someone. This is what it feels like. I know we got a whole bunch of kids that just were born, and we got a whole bunch of people that were pregnant. Come on, COVID. <laughs> we're all locked up in our houses cuddling. And, and so many individuals are now about to give birth. There's going to be a part of your heart that's going to open that you did not even know existed. It is wonderful. This is my son whom I Love. This, this love word here uh, means like divinely loved. It's not just like a, a casual, like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of like that guy. Yeah, 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 I, I love macaroni and cheese, or I, I love crumpets, or I love whatever. I don't even know why I said crumpets. Who eats crumpets? Are you eating crumpets? I, 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 this is not a love that's just flippant. This is not a love that's uh, inconsequential. This love is like a divinely inspired love. He's saying, this is my 
beloved. I'm looking at my son here, and I love my son. I love my son with all that I am, with all that I have. I don't know how, how I could actually unwrap the profound, unending, never-ceasing love of God. I wish I had the words. I wish I had the time to be able to unwrap to you and to me how significant the love of God is. This love is deeper than the ocean. It's wider than the sky. It goes further than the stars. This love moves mountains. This love melts away fear and anxiety and doubt. This love even sustains us in the midst of anxiety, fear, and doubt. The love of God is inexhaustible. You cannot, you cannot sin too much to, to outdo the love of God. God's love is amazing and wonderful and deep, and I wish I had the words to describe to you the depth of this love. But what I, what I know is God said to Jesus, this is my son, my son, whom I love. Then he says, I'm well pleased with him. I alluded to this for a second earlier. Do you know that God said he's pleased with Jesus before Jesus ever did a miracle? Whoo! He said, I'm pleased with Jesus before Jesus ever turned water into wine. He said, I'm pleased with Jesus before Jesus ever healed blind Bartimaeus. He said, I'm pleased with Jesus before Jesus ever got on the cross. He said, I'm pleased with Jesus before he ever shared any of the parables. I'm pleased with Jesus before he loved on the disenfranchised and the marginalized. He said, I'm pleased with Jesus before Jesus ever had the opportunity to make a significant ripple in his generation and, to, and even into our generation. He said, I'm pleased with Jesus before Jesus ever did a thing. I have been blown away by this, that all Jesus had to be was God's son, and that was enough for God to be pleased with him. This is my son, whom I love, and with him I'm well pleased. I shared all of this to help us understand the relationship between God and Jesus. As Jesus walked on this earth fully, God fully, man, a mystery that is profound and significant and deep. And I wouldn't even have the, the vocabulary to be able to unwrap the beauty and the mystery found there. But, but nonetheless, we see the only two times in Scripture that it's recorded. We get what God said back to Jesus. He said, this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased, but let me lead you to this point. This is what I felt God laid on my heart. Tell my kids, these words are not just for Jesus, they're for them. Tell my kids, these words are not just for Jesus, they're for them. Tell my kids, these words are not just for Jesus, they are for them. Since you and I, since you and I are now in Christ, what God said to Jesus, he's also saying to you. It ain't fair, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it ain't fair, but it's good. It might not be fair, but it's glorious. 
what he said to Jesus, he said to you, why? Because you are in Christ. You're in Christ. I put it on the screen right now. You're in Christ. You're in Christ. You are his son and daughter. You are loved by God. And with you, he is well pleased. See, this is a profound mystery, but it's beautiful. Once you give your heart to Jesus, you are in Christ. Charles Spurgeon put it this way, the prince of preachers, to trust in Jesus is to be in Jesus. I like that. Now, some of y'all are like, what are you talking about? In Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus. What, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I got a bunch of verses I got to run through right here. I got to run through these verses. I'll, I'll unwrap them in a second. I'll help, I'll help try to bring clarity to this. Because I don't think we have a problem believing that God would say to Jesus, you're my son whom I love and with you I'm well pleased. I do think we have a problem believing that God would say that about us. And the reason we have a problem with God saying that about us is we look at our behavior. We look at our shortcomings. We look at what the world says about us. Because if you're married, you matter. But if you're single, maybe you don't matter as much. Maybe that's what's in your head. Or if you're, sing if you're single, you matter. If you're married, you're just old. Or if you have kids, then you matter. But if you don't have kids, you don't matter. Or if you don't have kids, then you really matter. Or how much money do you have in your bank? That's what makes you matter. Or what, what do you look like? Or where are you from? Or, or what gender are you? Or There's a whole bunch of things in our world that are trying to tell us if we matter or not. And then God here is saying to every single one of us, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. And with you, I'm well pleased. And you and I need to understand that we don't have this because of our behavior and we don't have this because of our skin and we don't have this because of some church that we go to and we don't have this because we're a nice person. You and I have this because of the goodness and the character of who God is and because we're now found in Jesus Christ. I've got some verses and you can go ahead and write them down if you want to. But I'm going to run through them quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. Therefore, if anyone is... What's it say? Come on. It says... In Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. There, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm out here sweating right now, too. It's fine, though. Don't worry about the sweat. Don't worry about the sweat. I'm all good. I'm all good. I'm out here like Bishop Jakes. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Bishop Jakes. I need a hanky. I need a hanky. I got a little, I got a little something right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Why do I? That's a go-to joke for me. <laughs> I don't mind that. I'm trying to follow in the bishop's footsteps. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 4. This is kind of chunky, but it's good. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into, come on, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too 
might walk in newness of life. I'm talking about identity here. I'm talking about being in Christ. I'm talking about your identity here. I'm talking about being in Christ. I'm talking about your identity here. I'm talking about being in Christ for every person that surrenders their heart and their life to Jesus. You are now in Christ. If you haven't yet done that, I'm going to give you a chance to at the end of this. You're going to get a chance to put your faith, your trust in Jesus. But for those of us who have put our faith and our trust in Jesus, I'm telling you, you are now in Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verses, uh, uh, verse number 30. Or 26 and 27, for in Christ Jesus, you all are sons and daughters of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 6. I hope you're not tired yet. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 6. And raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places, here it is again, in Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 14. I hope you're not tired yet. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Oh my goodness, come on y'all. Can you see this here? Can you see how the scriptures are trying to paint the picture for us that you are not your own anymore? You have been bought with a price. You are now in Christ Jesus. Once you put your faith and your trust in him, you are now in Christ Jesus. That means if, if Christ goes somewhere, you go somewhere. That means if God says something to Jesus, He's saying something to you. That means if Jesus is free, if you're in Jesus, you are free. That means if Jesus is seated in the heavenly realms and you're in him, that means you are now seated in the heavenly realms. That means if death cannot hold Jesus, death cannot hold you. That means if fear cannot hold Jesus, fear cannot hold you. That means if anxiety can't hold Jesus, anxiety cannot hold you. That means if Jesus is alive, you are alive. Can you please begin to see yourself, not just as yourself, living in your own apartment, living in your own house, living your own life. You are now found in Jesus. And when God says to Jesus, this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased, he's saying the same thing to you. I, uh, I happen to live in America, love it, thankful for United States of America She's not a perfect country at all, has been through, oh my goodness, so much drama, so much problem. There was a day someone that looked like me would not be able to talk to somebody that looked like you. But by the grace of God, things have continued to get better and better. We got ground to take and steps we still want to move forward, but man... Man, oh man, God is moving by his spirit. And I think it starts with the church. I think it starts with the church being the light and the light of Jesus Christ because you saw Jesus bringing worlds together. And I believe the church, us, his body, have been called to bring worlds together. Now, living in this country of America, imagine, imagine an announcement is made that everyone... The, the, the president says, for all of America, everybody gets $10,000. Or how about this? How about this? Make it bring it home. Everybody in America gets a school loan debt paid off. Woo! Come on. I'll take it. I don't know who's paying for it, but I'll take it. <laughs> it's just that if, if you're in America and you got school loan debt, it's paid off. 
The criteria is if you're in America. All you got to do is be in. If you're in, you get this. Take for instance this. I remember when I was growing up, we used to go to a skating rink, go to a skating rink, and everybody who was uh, in the bus got in free because there was, a, there was a little gate at the skating rink. But if you're in the bus, you got into the skating rink free. Now, if you drove your own car or showed up yourself, you'd have to pay. So if you were on the bus, all you had to be was in the bus. If you're in the bus, you went through the gate, you got in free. I know there's not a whole bunch of roller skating going on, you know, nowadays. There ought to be. <laughs> but all I had to be was in the bus. If I was in the bus, I got in free. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you that all you have to be is in Christ. All you have to be is surrendered and put your heart and your faith in Christ. And once you put that in Christ, you get, you receive all the identity, all the benefits, all the power, all the life that comes with being in Christ. Now, please understand, that does not mean your life is perfect because there's some persecution that came at Jesus. There's some difficulty that came at Jesus. There's some problems that came at Jesus. Shoot, death came at Jesus. Haters came at Jesus who do not think that means perfect. But I don't, I'm not trying to talk about that right now. I'm talking about identity. I'm talking about what it means to be in the bus. I'm talking about what it means to be in the country. I'm talking about what it means to be in Christ. Once you're in, everything changes. I'm talking about us being in Christ. That what God said to Jesus, he says to you and he says to me, once we put our faith in Christ. Uh, I wrestled with this last piece of the pleasing. I wrestled with this one. I mean, am I actually pleasing to God? I mean, am I, am I actually pleasing to him? Because I don't know about you, I make mistakes. <laughs> you ever have a thought you wish you wouldn't have? Go a place you wish you wouldn't have gone? Be in a relationship you wish you weren't in? Maybe have some desires that you wish you didn't have? There's a whole lot of stuff in me, and if you're anything like me, you have some things that you just wish were not the case in your life. How can I be, have anger and be pleasing to God? How can I have lust and please God? How can I be insecure and please God? How can I have an eating disorder and please God? How can I, you fill in the blank, still be pleasing to God? I wrestled with this. I wondered, is pleasing God based on my behavior? Because if it's based on my behavior, then I would ask the question, how much good behavior is necessary for me to be pleasing to God? Like, how good do I have to be? Like, is one thought still okay? One bad thought still okay for me to be pleasing to God? Or is it five bad thoughts? And that makes me bad. That makes me no longer pleasing to God. What, what's the number? I don't see anywhere in Scripture where, where I get a number. I don't think here in this passage of Scripture, God is trying to paint the picture. I need you to be perfect in order for you to be pleasing. I think he's trying to say to all of humanity, what I want you to do is actually get your eyes off of yourself. I want you to get your eyes off of your behavior. Yes, your behavior matters, but your behavior ought not be your focus. Your behavior should not be your starting point. Your behavior should not be the, the place where you and I jump. The, the starting point for all of us ought not be us. It ought to be God. 
The starting point ought to be God's faithfulness and his goodness and his character, not your character. Because if you and I want to base our relationship with God solely on our character, we will find ourselves on the short end of the stick over and over and over again. But if you and I would be willing to understand that God's character is good and his character is loving and he is forgiving and he is just and he is pure and what he calls good is good and what he says is blessed is blessed and what he says is loved is loved. When God declares something a thing, then it is that thing. And now it's no longer based on my behavior. Now my behavior comes out of the revelation that I'm now in Christ Jesus. I'm not pleasing to God based on my behavior. I'm pleasing to God based on his character and the finished work of Jesus Christ. I want you to see God looking at you today saying, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. And with you, I'm well pleased. If you don't mind, church family, bow your head for just a second. Whether you are online or sitting at one of our physical locations or maybe on a jog right now, I just want to encourage you to pause. And for a moment, I want you to consider where are you in your relationship with God? Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you trusted Jesus for your salvation? If you have not, I need you to know that God's arms are open wide to you. He loves you. He's for you. But he wants you changed and transformed. And he wants your heart in his hands. If you're under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. Or maybe at one point in time you were following Jesus, but you slipped away and you've gone your own direction. And today you're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore. You want to go his way. I want to encourage you on the count of three to do something simple, but something incredibly bold. I literally want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. This is your moment of salvation. Your moment of turning. That's what the word repent means. Your moment of turning. Saying, God, I'm not going to go my own way anymore. I want to go your way. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Just throw your hand up in the air. You're saying, yep, that's me. That's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. I want to put my trust in Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. Every person, I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. It's like you're saying vows to God right now, and the cross is God's vows to you, but this is just a moment for you to surrender your heart and your life to him. Ready? Repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.